0: Read Junk. Read Junk. Read Junk Podcast. Read Junk Podcast. With your host, my guy. Hey, everybody. It's the Read Junk Podcast. I'm back with a new episode. Last one was with my friend Chris Taylor. Um, He filled in for guest hosts for a little bit. Gonna try to get back into more episodes. But for now, I got at least one episode coming up, and then one planned for next week. We'll see how that goes. This episode is with my buddy Ray, who works at ReJunk.com from time to time. He also worked at Boone Records, and then we also talk about the ska scene, some plug stories, and then we geek out a little bit and talk about some Star Wars, Walking Dead, and some other TV show stuff. Um, We talked before the plug show that we went to on Saturday in the car, Uh, We drove around 20 minutes or so trying to find a parking spot, and he lucked out and found one right in front of the venue. It was a good time talking with Ray, so that episode's coming up right now. I'm also scheduled to interview Aaron from Real Big Fish on Friday, so we'll see if that happens or not. Hopefully, that will be the next episode. I might try to start doing some podcast episodes over Skype and interview some people that way, so we'll see what happens and who's available and then also how it sounds as well. So let's get into it. This is Ray and me talking in the car about moonska, ska, and Morska. And we're live across from Bowery Electric. I'm sitting here with Ray, my buddy, friend of me. You need good to good talk good. into a microphone.
1: Yeah, I would say that we're very good friends though. <laughs> yeah, we're friends for something like 20 years now i would say
0: yeah um now you first i don't know where i first well i guess through read right we met through Ra- read magazine
1: um well part of that for sure um you know to be honest with you i was actually thinking the other day uh when we actually like met and <laughs> i can't i can't think I of a specific re- moment i don't remember when we actually like like physically met i was
0: probably one of adam's birthday karaoke parties
1: Maybe, yeah, I mean unless it was
0: at a show I, I
1: i certainly was aware of of who you were because of things like uh Scott punk and other junk, and I, I, uh, I am very famous, and of course, uh you know, you're friends with our mutual buddy Adam,
0: yeah, um, but you worked at Moon Records for how many years when did when did you start doing that?
1: um, I started right out of high school actually uh I started working at Moon Sky. Um,
0: as an intern like, or
1: yeah, as an intern. And that was like, probably like either that September or, or that October of, um, uh, of 98. So that was like right okay. out of high school for me. And, uh, you know, I was, uh, I was very enthusiastic about ska and the moment I saw uh, an opening on the website that they were looking for interns, uh, I went right for it. And, uh, you know, Noah kind of like recognized me from, you know, various shows and stuff like that. And uh, you know, so somehow I talked them into hiring me as an intern, ah. uh, e- e- despite me not, um, ha- you know, having, a, you know, a major that pertained towards like the music industry. You know, I basically just like w- like went in and said, you know, like I'm a fan, I love the music, and I want to do work for you. And you know, a, and and Bucket, I'm fine with getting free stuff.
0: And Buck is like, here, go get me, go get me a beer. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, Buck actually was very laid back and you know I, I I don't have anything bad to say about him at all like he was a very cool guy and um he was he was definitely open to ideas uh and and so forth so Was
0: Adam there when you started?
1: Yeah, um Adam was there when I started and um you know Adam Adam and I gradually became friends uh during that time. You know, um, we kind of like knew each other uh through things like you know shows and stuff and you know I was like bullshitting with him like you know mm-hmm. every time I would see him like uh man something like a
0: like a moon merch table and stuff like that and he's still doing that to this to this day. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, so you know it was it was a it was a blast that period that period of time of me working at Moon. I actually worked at moon until the very end and I was the last person to, uh, to close the Sky store.
0: That was the second location though, right? Because it used to, where was the first location located? The
1: first location was in Alphabet City. Okay. And, um, and I was, you know, I, 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 did, I did go to that store a couple of times before they moved. And um, I believe, um, I believe like the around the fall or the winter of 97 was when they moved to
0: um, East 10th Street. Which was, yeah, it was the bigger store, yeah.
1: Yes, yeah, so, yeah, I mean.
0: Because the other one, you could barely even walk. It was like, oh, three people have are you in been
1: it. there? Do you do you remember going there? I or? remember going
0: to the first one. That's for the first time, I think, like, oh, I was, like, talking with Adam and my dad and my brother, and we all went down. And it was like, we could barely fit into the store. <laughs> and then Adam was just, and I think uh, Abby, maybe, or somebody, like, somebody back there mm-hmm. where, was working
1: yeah i mean you would walk in and the counter was right there so, so as soon as you would yeah. walk in there was the counter and that was how
0: how it was. small it really was but that that's how it was kids it was you got to go to a store to buy music at the time and i would yeah, have to have my dad come all the way drive us all the way down just to make a trip to moon <laughs> yeah
1: yeah uh, you know and it was a very fun place to go to too especially if you love the music and uh but moon wasn't especially that first store it wasn't the type of store where you can come in and And like there are shelves and then you can just dig through the shelves. It it was like literally it was a counter and then there was pictures of the covers like on the wall and you would just pick. I'll take number
0: three. Uh, Let me get that one,
1: Uh, you know. Or like, you know, sometimes if they were cool enough, like, you know, whoever was manning the store, you can say, hey, can you put this on? And, you know, that person would put it on. I don't think Adam was one of those people. <laughs> I think he was just like, no, uh, we're listening to what we have what yeah. we have on right now, <laughs> you know.
0: The second store was a lot better, and I I remember I remember that one more because I would, I would go down and make a trip to go work with Adam when he would he wanted help on the website. So I would help him do some of the web mastering stuff for the Moon Records site because um, the guy from like Mine Toilet was working on it, and then I kind of fixed some of his stuff or I don't know. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, sure, Joe. Yeah, Joe. Yeah, so I I would kind of I guess Adam was sick of dealing with him or something. So he asked me, so "I'm like, all right, I'll come down and help." And then he would just give me like throw me like merch, and I would hang out in the back room as I was doing, I, don't know, I was working on the website for a little bit. But I would just spend a couple hours doing that. um But yeah, I mean, the first time I met Adam, um, I think it was at. Outside the wetlands, and he was, and he oversold me a, one of his zines. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oversold you?
0: <laughs> yeah, oversold because it was like it was probably worth I don't know a couple of dollars, but he's like I'm like all right, I'll I'll pay like whatever it was, and Adam, and then after that I like, wrote wrote to Adam, and then we kind of became friends that way. So that's how like we know each other, I guess through Adam. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, sure. Um
0: I wish they, I wish Steve or somebody would do a Moon Records documentary though. I know they had the ska music stuff, but yeah, music one coming out.
1: Certainly, yes. And, and um, you know, I know that Steve uh, was definitely considering writing a um, a book documenting, you know, ska music or modern ska music, which is basically the third wave. Um,
0: so Steve's writing that, and then Mark's doing one about the 80s. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mark well, yeah, from Rupert, Georgia. Yep. I have to interview him at some point.
1: Marco on the bass. <laughs> and... Um, yeah so steve steve definitely um he's he's definitely one of um you know the uh the old the old time friends from the moon sky days that i have still been able to retain um you know so you know we we're in contact as well
0: you were supposed to go see a show or movie the other day right with him
1: yeah actually um he invited me to go see um the the u s premiere of um the trojan documentary trojan records documentary i was like
0: root boy yeah
1: yeah, which, you know, I mean, unfortunately I couldn't make it, but I would have loved to have seen it. And um yeah, I I'm, want to see I'm it really too, excited yeah. to see it as well. And coincidentally, um, you know, with that movie, um, it, it parallels with the project that I'm working on right now, actually. because uh, uh, I have a curator friend of mine who is um working on um an exhibit uh in which it would cover uh the experience of um, the asian immigrant and their part in local music hmm. and so you know um he reached out to me uh recently and asked if i would help him edit certain sections that he's writing for uh or and basically help him co-write these sections that involve um, you know of course um historical information about um notable asian immigrants who had a part in Various type of music scenes like, for instance, like the Chin family of VP Records or uh, Leslie Kong, who is, um, you know, um, a very
0: well-known Asian
1: uh, Jamaican producer, you know, of the 60s oh, and really? 70s. Oh, uh, really?
0: The person that does VP Records is Asian?
1: Yes. Oh, I uh-huh. didn't know that. Yeah, um, totally. Yeah. He's, okay. he's a, he, he was born of Chinese immigrants and um, somehow they made their way to Jamaica um and um you know i mean from 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 there um vp records was formed
0: ah, so um i did not know that
1: yes indeed and uh and Leslie kong obviously is like a, a huge part of uh 60s jamaican music um and he's he's uh intimately connected to people like uh jimmy cliff huh. uh for instance and uh you know, and he's worked with all the greats.
0: So this is going to be a time. documentary.
1: Well, no, this is going to be an exhibit. Oh, an exhibit. Yeah, okay. and so um, my friend uh, uh, need, just needed help in terms of.
0: Will uh, be like an kind of art gallery somewhere. And, in yeah, you know, an exhibit Brooklyn. that
1: focuses on on. Um, you know, as I said, like the. The part that Chinese immigrants had yeah. with uh, with music, um, and of course they had a huge part with, reggae music, oddly enough, you know. So. Because you have things like VP records and stuff like that. You that's know, so. like the
0: record label for reggae. It's either that or Easy Star Records.
1: Yes, yeah, that's true. Um, so, yeah, so that's going to be fun. And um, and certainly uh, the, the Trojan documentary, um, you know, a big part of that documentary is documenting the um, experience of the Jamaican immigrant to the UK, which, of course, brought... Uh, jamaican music to the uk and popularized it through things like club reggae and stuff like that so you know that movie for sure was up my alley but unfortunately i couldn't make it Mm. but that would have been like really fun to watch and i'm definitely going to see it eventually
0: yeah i'll wait for video this gets kind of hard finding a screening around here especially when i live up in new jersey now so
1: yeah and the screenings are like far and few in between as well i mean they're going to be only you know um if it is, if it's showing in any other theater, you can only imagine it would be around for like a week or something like that mm. or a short period of time.
0: Yeah. Well, people seem to like it from what I saw on Facebook, so I'll have to definitely check that out. Um, I'm
1: a, I'm a, I'm still, you know, a huge fan of, of Jamaican music and I always will be and, you know, I always say that Jamaican music is one of my, my first loves of music. You know, I mean, obviously I love things like punk rock and hip-hop and all that good stuff, but... Um, jamaican music definitely you know um is a big part of uh, my identity and also my teen years most definitely
0: uh going into my my college years and and into my 20s and all that good stuff yeah it's the one one genre that has stuck with us over the years of it's like we listen to other stuff but we still gravitate to this for certainly for shows because it's like you know it's like going to see like a Having a party with a bunch of your friends. Mm-hmm. So like tonight seeing musterplug We're gonna sure. see people from Boy George and then oh, yeah, you know sergeant Skyke right. and musterplug I'm friends with so it's like I wanted to do a podcast with musterplug but I'm gonna have to wait to either do that over the phone or uh,
1: Sure, I'm acquainted with musterplug as well and I've met them a few times right. over the years and all that stuff And what
0: was that story you were telling me about the with the masseuse? <laughs>
1: Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, mustard plug at one point, though, because at one point, you know, uh, going back to what we were talking about of of my time at Moon, you know, I started off as an intern, but eventually I was put on the payroll and uh, I was opening the store every day, you know. And, and, you know, I was honestly, even though it was like my my first two years of college, I was much more interested in music and the scene and being involved in Moon Records than I was with school and stuff like that. So, you know, it it became a full time job and I was there every day. And I was the guy that opened and closed, uh, you know, uh, Moonska Records, the storefront, mm-hmm. um, for that last two years. And um, it was fun. But, at, at you know, at, at many instances, though, it, it, it kind of coincided with a time where, where the interest of ska began to decline. And so the traffic of people, like, gradually declined immensely, which led to, of course, uh, the... Um,
0: the downfall yeah you know, the, <laughs> the, down, the downfall of like, of moon a, a yeah moon
1: sky, yeah um so you know there was there were certainly a good times and bad times involved there but i think i think very fondly back on my time working at moon so you know as i was saying um and i was the type of person who always volunteered for things like um being a part of the record label so you know when people like for instance, um, Noah Wildman, who used to be the manager or he was the original manager of uh, the Mutska Record Storefront, when he left, you know, um, you know, so a lot of us who were still around were filling in those gaps and, and sharing the responsibility. So I was doing things like um, booking, uh, you know, various uh, shows uh, through Moon. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, whatever was left of the Moonsca showcases and stuff like that.
0: Got to remember. I I love seeing those flyers. I love seeing them in too, in the man. Aquarian, like seeing the, all the ska shows at the Wetlands. Those uh, those good times.
1: Yeah, yeah, very good times And 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 that was so what was part of what was so great about Moonsca Records was because uh one Moonsca Records was you know in a position uh where you know, it can do things like that and expand the scene. And the people that were working at Moon for at the time for the promotions department um, all did an excellent job in getting the word out there. And they were poised in a position where, where ska was popular and like and it was in the mainstream. And and people be, were went after it because they would see it on things like MTV. Yeah. And there was a lot of music and a lot of bands. It, it's almost unheard of now. Like how many bands you know, um, wanted to play ska and, and wanted to get their music out there. And, and um, we used to get inundated with so many demos
0: of, I can imagine, of ska
1: yeah. bands from all over all these the kids, world.
0: All these kids out of high school that were in the high school band.
1: <laughs> yeah, a lot of it, you know, um, <laughs> I would say a lot of it, you know, was hard to listen to. Some of some of it was good. There, there were some good stuff out there for sure.
0: In a way, I kind of, I kind of, I was like definitely getting annoyed of all the abundance or just oversaturation of all the bands. I was kind of good to see it die in a way because I wanted all the good bands survived in a way, Mm -hmm. and then all the shit ones. Kind of just went on to emo bands or did other stuff. Yes, so it's yeah, like the, they, they all moved on to to whatever other music. Yeah, because there was just so many ska bands, and it was like, especially shows in New Jersey, it was like every band sounded the same, and it was like. Oh, it was and just, I,
1: I loved, uh, you know, um, thinking back now, I loved actually like going through the demos because, I, uh, you know, I was I was so enthusiastic about that music and finding, like, you know, that. That one band that was awesome yeah. that nobody ever heard of. <laughs> you that's, know
0: me, I mean? that's me like trying to find a review to, 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 for music right now. I'm like, oh, this band doesn't suck. I'll review
1: it. <laughs> Surprisingly, there were a lot of like really good ska bands from elsewhere, from outside of the country. because yeah. uh, you know ska, ska, of course, is, is really a beloved uh, genre, and there are so many countries out there that you know, of course, have a sizable ska scene, and a lot of them were like in Europe. Or think places like in Eastern Europe.
0: Like down in South America and Mexico. Scott is, is freaking huge.
1: Scott is huge. And, and you know, God bless the people and, that... And Japan and stuff too, yeah. Exactly. God, God bless the people that love that music and make the scenes possible in places like within South America or Japan, of course. Um, and, um, yeah, I mean... And you even know, all like, the Latin,
0: Spa- Spanish kids in New York City, they're the ones that or like 75% of them are the ones in the in attendance for these ska going shows to the shows, yeah. yeah
1: yeah which which um there was a period of time where um you know I took a break from going to shows and 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 I got out of the scene for a little while and and then I and then I came back in a big way and I started going back to shows and and that was probably about 10 years ago or so yeah. when I started going back to shows and um when I did you know the the scene obviously was a lot different from you know 10 years earlier when i was really involved because one there was a, a lot less venues around uh in the, in the new york city area
0: it's even worse now
1: yeah yeah you know and <laughs> you know and a lot of the venues have have become places like somebody's loft like literally like the yeah you know, the stage area, or the playing area, would be like in somebody's kitchen. What was and that like one the place? Bar was a you know.
0: What was that one place in Brooklyn, in Brooklyn that w- that closed down? But it was like someone's house, and there was like no signs on it. It was like someone's apartment.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's um, that's like the swamp, or yeah, or, the swamp, also known as the loft, and like probably okay. a bunch of other names. And it, it always changed its name uh, somehow because I never technically there, it wasn't supposed to be an area where you would yeah you know go to see a show.
0: It was just nothing but like empty factories and stuff.
1: Yeah, the first time I ever went uh, to that place, you know, um I, I had trouble finding it because like the GPS was telling me that I was in the right area, but there was nothing. There was absolutely nothing to it's indicate people's homes. No. That there was a show. Not even people's <laughs> homes. It was more like it was factories as yeah, you just said. Yeah. And just unmarked doors and and um I remember I remember like coming up to this one door and it had a piece of string. That, it wasn't even a doorknob, it was just a piece of string, you know, uh, attached to, 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 this, to this door and I'm like is this it and then I pulled the to the the string and and the door like opened and and then I can hear music finally coming from like, like the top of the staircase. secret knock <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that place was actually really cool very very um you know it was great like you know I mean it, it was New York to the bone and um shows there were often promoted by um Agent J yeah, you that's know a, of, that's of, of slackers know yeah. and stubborn all stars fame, you know, and and the shows were awesome, and and like especially for somebody like me who was really into lo- uh, like uh, Jamaican music and ska music and stuff like that. Like rock that was steady. the place to yeah.
0: go. Yeah, the rocksteady stuff. Yeah,
1: you know. So, so as I was saying though, like, um, you know, so um, just to lead back to what you were asking earlier oh, about, about Monster Monster Plug. Plug, Yes. Um, so. Yeah, muster plug. I actually did book uh, a, a moon Sky showcase for um, you know through the Wetlands way back, and um, that which was an awesome show, as I recalled. Um, and it was one of those shows where uh, you know, like I would book a band, and for whatever reason they couldn't play, they they would say okay to it, and for whatever reason they couldn't they couldn't play. Uh, at the last minute, so I would have to scramble and find a replacement band to fill in certain spots, and that was just how it rolled, Uh you know, sometimes. And, like, I remember, like, I don't even remember which band it was, but there was an opening spot that came about as a result of a band, like, not being able to make it. And this was literally, like, two days before the show was supposed to happen. And so um, I was able to touch base with friends like Big D and The Kids Table, at the time and they were like, Yeah, let's do it, you know, and it was easy for them because, you know, they you know, they would just drive from Boston to New York. And um so they were part of that show. And I think I got involved in that same show, uh, Rotskeller, which was a which was actually a band that I discovered through demos and I was like, These guys are really good. And and um you know, their information was on there, so I always kept them in mind and saying, you know, and figured like since they were based out of Philadelphia. Rath Skeller, I
0: think I've seen them once. Yeah. Probably Rath's, probably on one of the Wetlands shows.
1: Rath Skeller, there I I believe um one of the band members used to be in Inspector Seven. Okay. He was a, a gentleman by the name of Tedford. Okay. And um so that was that became his band after he left Inspector Seven. And I think he had another band called the Studebakers. Uh, which were really good too. They were involved with the, with a uh, compilation called uh, Skarmageddon Three, which I'm very fond of. You know, again, like isn't that the one Adam did? Or no, Or oh, that was the fourth one. That was the fourth one. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Skarmageddon Three was actually uh, compiled
0: by. That was Steve, a good one. I, the Friedman. second one, I think, is the best one. The Spawn of Skarmageddon.
1: Yeah, I like them all. You know, I'm very fond of 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 um. You know, I mean, the fourth one, of course, like, uh, you know, I I I like just because like. You know, Adam was involved in it, and I'm a good friend of his. And um, I'm somewhat yeah, but he with likes Rush, so what
0: the hell does he know?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so some of, some of the the choices there were kind of questionable.
0: <laughs> uh-huh. I told him like, oh, get Conehead Buddha. He's like, oh, hippie Scott, that's interesting. All right, I'll put him on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm like, I liked I liked Conhead Buddha stuff. So. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah.
1: So as far as like Musterplug plug goes, um, so you know they came down and and um, you know an extremely sociable bunch of guys uh you know who were basically just hanging out you know in between you know sets uh, waiting for for their turn to play on stage and um they i remember they had an extremely attractive girl with them who who i discovered was basically their masseuse <laughs> that they just hired to 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 be on the road with them and uh you know um and she was extremely friendly and stuff like that so we basically just chilled and hung, hung out and like you know drank and you know um got amped up for the show and all that good stuff <laughs> and um i know at one point i i uh, i linked up with mustard plug for an interview um again with That's adam, adam uh, right? years later and and uh, i brought up the masseuse and i was like i was like oh where, what happened to the masseuse <laughs> you know <laughs> it such a, such an ingenious idea by the way to you know to To get an attractive girl, like, on road with you just to party and hang out, (laughs) you know, and at the same time, if you need a back rub, like... (laughs) Yeah, it's like, oh,
0: the the van life is just so, like, so tense.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You know, so... Yeah, so like I mentioned it, I was like, I was like, oh, whatever happened to the masseuse? And, and one of the members was like, oh, that was my ex-girlfriend. <laughs> She's like, yeah, we're not together anymore. <laughs>
0: like, yeah, now you gotta have one of the other members give you a massage.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so you know, that's that's my muster plug story for that.
0: That's funny. But, that's, but, um, I don't I never heard of a at least a ska band having a, a masseuse.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, it's it's a smart idea.
0: And moon and moon paid for it.
1: No, I don't think so. Oh, <laughs> I'm sure they okay. probably. If if they did pay her anything, I'm sure it was just like, hey, let's get a masseuse and. Okay. Was
0: know. she like slash merch person or she just was masseuse? That was it.
1: She was just like the way she, from what I recall, and this was like freaking ten, twenty years ago. You know, she she just like said, oh, hey, well, I'm their masseuse." <laughs> like she wasn't even like, you know. Yeah, she wasn't even like, you know, selling shit or, <laughs> or anything yeah, like that. Yeah, that's
0: crazy. You know, right. and,
1: and, um, yeah, so naturally her question back was like, oh, what band are you in? And I was like, oh, I work for the record label. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, fun stuff and fun times. Um, you yeah, know, so that was part of my, re- what became of my responsibilities is like booking shows. And I also did writing for the, for the, um, label as well I, I did press kits and stuff like that and
0: oh, so you did all the press releases that i posted on the site probably yeah yeah and Man. i and
1: i was also um the male guy the main male guy because at, at, at one point i was really really the only person working at moon at one point it was just me eventually it became just me and um uh, who Buck's is who is the one was brother-in-law it, Was
0: her name beth i'm trying to think of someone who's a, who who's to do all the promos Oh,
1: um, Patty.
0: Patty. Patty. Patty, yeah. Patty, yes. Yeah. She, to, yeah, she used to send us stuff from when we used to do a radio show in Keystone College. She would yeah, send us yeah. all these promos like, awesome. like, sweet, we can get free stuff. <laughs> Which is one of the reasons why I still do the website to this day is get free stuff.
1: Moonscar was really fun to work at. Yeah. Because, you know, the, the, the way I would describe, um, it, you know, uh, my my daily working experience at Moon uh, would would be... Comparing it to something like High Fidelity, you know that movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Where, where I mean, I, and when that movie came out, I, I remember thinking like, you know, what John Cusack was going through. Like that, like that was basically my experience. Like you know, having having regular people come in all the time and just talk about music, mm-hmm. but not buy
0: anything. And, and you guys and, would be music snobs, but ska i guess
1: yeah and you know i mean i wouldn't describe myself as a music s- snob you're a
0: real big fish fan oh.
1: but certainly certainly adam was though adam was like yeah you don't want that <laughs> fucking album <laughs> you know? yeah
0: adam has no filter yes
1: <laughs> but um yeah so you know and you know what's what was cool about moon Scar too was that people from all over the world would visit this record store uh just to to buy as much music as they possibly can and there would always be these uh these guys from from Brazil for instance like every year they would show up with like you know several pieces of of luggage and suitcases empty suitcases and they would come in and they would just be like two of everything or or three (laughs) of everything or you know they would literally like you know just Stay in the store until every single you know suitcase was filled to the brim of we'll ska just, music. We'll just
0: take this wall, please.
1: Yeah, so it was basically like you know it was a real mecca of ska music, and and um, I mean sure at the time you could find record stores in the city that had their own ska section, but this was all ska and all reggae, uh, and um, you know there there was there was a lot to be said about that you know about being the the only one that that did this.
0: Yeah, cause I used to go to Tower Records. I used to go to Generation X or no, Generation Records, not Generation X. Generation Records, yeah, yeah Re- which is still around. Yeah, I'm surprised that's still around. But Tower Records, I think, is is not around. But it's overseas. It's, there's some type of life over there. Yes, it's like yeah, like Japan, Japan or, or something like yeah. that. Yep. Did you see the documentary? That I I loved it. That yeah, Colin do- Hanks did. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that documentary was awesome. You know, especially for a music fan and and a music aficionado uh, I highly recommend yeah watching a documentary
0: usually like any that. music documentary is just good that, the the um, the one about w l i r was good that too. was awesome too yeah. Uh,
1: yeah and i I really enjoyed that as well, you know um
0: I'm like man, I gotta go listen to some 80, 80s music now
1: <laughs> that's how I felt after yeah. watching that movie i was i was very You know, amped to you know. Adam and I, Adam and
0: I saw a screening once at uh for seeing American Hardcore and at Sony's building. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah, So I like that movie too. That was a good one. Um, I'm trying to think what other documentaries. Yeah, that's funny.
1: That's funny you mentioned that. Actually, that was like I got that for a a girl that I was going out with at at one point. Um, you know, she was a big hardcore fan and that was like one of like her birthday gifts that I got her. And I was like, oh, you should watch this movie. Yeah. (laughs) You know, so.
0: And then they have the Sky one that come out, that's coming out um, at some point. They did a Kickstarter. I and heard about that. Raised over $100,000 uh, for it, and it was like such a success. It's, it,
1: it, a North American filmmaker is putting that together?
0: Yeah, it's a uh, Taylor um, out in California, California. Um, he used to be in a ska band. I forget what the ska band was. Is but he just focusing? He, he's going to on, focus on third wave on the or, 90s, or California? On the 90s. So he was doing interviews over here recently in the summertime with like Cooley and Bucket. And um, he was down in Supernova Sky Fest doing a bunch of interviews down there. And then he might be using some of my photos from for uh, the ones that I've taken over the years, all of my film ones from like early days. But we'll see. Um because I was like, oh, I, I would gladly, you know, provide my photos for mm-hmm. the movie because I've always wanted a great ska documentary that actually got, you know, that can wide utilize, yeah, wide release. Because there was, um, there was the Brooklyn Rocksteady documentary that was pretty good, but it that was, was kind pretty of, good. That was like I saw that too. That was lot. That was free online, so you can watch it on uh, Vimeo or whatever. But
1: yeah, but, you know, and one thing I remember about watching that particular film was thinking. Well, man, like, you know, the scene really did change because it's really about the scene that was happening like only a few years back. Yeah. You know, which is completely different from how I remember the scene when I was really involved in ska music, like around the late 90s and early 2000s and stuff like that.
0: But I'm like, I'm trying to think of like what I did because I remember going to shows, but I didn't at some point maybe like, I mean, at some point the ska shows kind of were far in between, but it's just like around two thousand one, two thousand four. I didn't really seem to go to too many shows, mm-hmm. and it was i was like looking back at all my photos that I've taken. I'm like, I didn't take anything in two thousand three. Like, or like there yeah. was one year where I have like I you took off.
1: That's funny you say that because like I was more or less in that same niche at that time period where where I just stopped going to shows for whatever reason. Maybe I got sick of like. Going to shows, you do or, get
0: very burnt out of going to so many shows.
1: Yeah, but I got back in a big way, like you know, and and at that time too, you know, I, I had a girlfriend who was really involved in, in and and wanted to do things like that and go to shows and stuff like that. And for whatever reason, I would always like shoot that down and be like, yeah, maybe next time, <laughs> like like just too tired yeah. to like do that. I I think it was just that moment in time where where like I just needed a break from.
0: I usually get that, that around around this time to like. February, and then it's like, wow, I haven't been to a show since... And, like, this year, it was like, I didn't go to a show until, like, April or May. <laughs> like It's just like, it, mm. you just get, get kind of burnt out of going to... Plus, I'm like a father now, so it's kind of tough. Yeah, yeah, that's um, understandable, for sure. Yeah, so it's like, he was in a phase where he would just... Every time he'd leave, he would just... Even, even if I had to go take a piss, he'd be like, Daddy! And scream. <laughs> it's like, I just need to take a pee. <laughs> but, but even back... Th- even back before I didn't have a kid, I would still get burnt out. And especially my, my brother wanted, wanted to go to shows too because he lived up yeah. up north. So it's like, it, ugh, it's
1: like... And I recall, I recall though, um, like right before I started really getting back into the swing of going to shows, though, that, that we, we saw a couple of shows uh, together, uh, you know, and, and we linked up and, and saw shows like Bad Manners and, and right, uh, yeah. English Beat and stuff like Urban that.
0: Plaza and Webster Hall. Which yeah. is not I
1: think that was like right around the beginning of when I was get really getting back. Yeah, into Yeah, like 2000.
0: That. Even like I think when I started getting back into shows again, around like more frequently was when the Puffers reunited again, and I mm-hmm. was at the old Knitting Factory on Leonard Street. Oh yes, yeah. And it was with Bigger Thomas and some other band. One of the drummers from that to- was the like Toasters. around 2007 or something like that. 2005, I think. Oh, was it? Yeah. Yeah.
1: Or or at least the second time that they had a reunion was like. Yeah, because I missed
0: I missed another reunion, but thankfully they're kind of. They on were on and off they cool. were having reunions
1: at that point they were having reunions like every two years or yeah. something like that
0: it's like cool it's like all right, we've got gonna
1: and eventually they they started to make new music which was cool yeah and, and the pilfers were like i remember i remember um being at a show with you and your brother um and this was probably the record release of their their latest album and it's it was a long time yeah. In between albums,
0: like 20 years and, or and, something like that. And
1: I remember, I remember like thinking, you know, the music was pretty good, but it, but um, I remember thinking that the audience there probably wanted to hear more of the older
0: stuff. Well, that's why, coolly, when they did that record release show, they did all the stuff that was gonna be the old favorite stuff, and so they played two sets, but then. He had so many freaking bands on it, which I keep busting his balls about that <laughs> they didn't go on till like 1.30. I'm like, I need to get home, dude. It's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like and I was like so tired and, and like they're playing like they're playing uh, all their new stuff, which is nice. I, I, especially with Pilfer's new album, I definitely I listened to it. I'm like, it's good. It's good. And then it just kind of stacked up and I'm like this is really good stuff. Yes. Yeah. I, um, yeah. You know what? I, it's still missing. I think cool of uh, Vinny's trombone you know style well kevin
1: i think kevin um yeah the kevin trumpet. bachelor like uh subbed for that album um yeah he and, did a great job though yeah i liked and all that and he was awesome yeah you know and and uh, i, I would have liked to have seen him have more of a contribution afterwards i don't think it was i don't a think one-off he, thing, I yeah think. i don't i don't think he really stuck with the band after that but the music is good and for anyone who's a pofers fan and if you have you know um second guesses about uh you know revisiting them i mean that album is actually really good i mean i can't promise you it will replicate the love of the first yeah the first two albums the first two albums uh but you know just understand though that you know um it's a new time it's it's definitely a new time it was at least like like 15 years in between albums so you're gonna hear uh you know a, a different take on the pilfers with this one but the music itself is solid and i i'm going to appreciate that album a lot
0: yeah there's we were t- when we saw cooley recently on the um, the rock cruise boat thing uh we were just ta- like talking to him afterwards and he's um we were just talking about my brother and i were just talking about like the song jack ashes like we, it's like a tough one to to. listen that's a to. good track it's, yeah because it's like you know about death you know, death mm-hmm. and stuff and yeah we're all in loss cooley and us were dealing with loss of parents mm-hmm. so it's yeah so it's We've definitely grown closer over the years because of that, and uh it's it's so funny how for that knitting factory show, and like coolie's like talking, and all of a sudden he's like, Brian Crump going out, so I'm like, "What the fuck? like he knows me <laughs> so it was like cool like like someone that I grew up listening to and becoming a friend of him, which yes, I, got, yeah. I gotta get him on the podcast
1: and and that's exactly how I felt um you know in in the within the friendships that I formed uh through working at Moon. Uh, because, uh, you know, like I said before, I was a fan first and foremost of Moonsky. I loved Moon Records before I started working there. And when I started working there, I, I began to be very acquainted and, and strike up, fr- you know, um, friendships with uh, many of the artists uh, and people who worked within Moonsky Records. And, um, you know, uh, a lot of them have become longtime friendships that, that uh, today, you know, uh, I'm, I'm thankful to say that I'm still in touch with uh and so um you know and these are people that i admired a lot even in when i was in my high school years you know i I admired uh, um these musicians and artists and ultimately they became like very good friends of mine
0: yeah i mean it's definitely i could definitely relate
1: to to what you're saying yeah the same thing
0: just it's like so yeah so funny how i've just become friends with so many bands i've been listening to my like most of my whole life you know it's I, yeah. remember, I remember annoying the hell out of Bucket all the time at shows when I was just for starting at, starting out, <laughs> just uh-huh. always asking questions. And you know, now we're Facebook friends, but you know, things like that. But he was anyway, like, "Oh, do you remember us?" He's like, "Yeah, you guys are you the ones that are always asking all the questions <laughs> all the time because <laughs> we're always bothering him when he's at the merch table." Um, but yeah, let's switch let's switch gears now. You wanted to talk about the podcast format, right? Why I changed it?
1: Yes, yeah, so, yeah. So I mean, yeah, you know, I'll lead it to you to. to Put in that intro. Well, on that it's topic.
0: it's. It, I like doing it because I. And plus, I didn't think of it would be a problem because I thought, oh, you know, I did this for college radio that I used to play whatever I wanted, and then it was okay. But then, I guess the podcast area is a little gray because it. You can there's some formats that like mix cloud or something like that where you can do it streaming but you can't download it and it's kind of and then there's it's also you can play any song you want but you can't you can only do two or three times of one band and it's like it's i don't feel like want to limit myself i want to play whatever the fuck i want and do whatever i want and say whatever i want and and not have it where it's like I, there's only a certain genre I can play because they're okay with me playing that music. So I'm like, you know what? I'm just gonna bail out now before. I, and plus, I'm I'm probably gonna remove the, some of the old episodes. Oh man, it, don't do that. I, I know, I know. I'm like, I'm, I might keep them up for a little while, but I'm afraid I'm gonna get like a cease and desist. Which is, I mean, the worst case scenario is I'll just take that but, episode down. But that's but, what
1: it is, though. Is just you know they're just telling you to stop yeah. doing what you're doing, and then you just have to. I mean, I should have,
0: I should have done more research about it before I started because it's like, if you use like two seconds of a song, you can be getting you, you know, know sued or, or a cease and desist because that's someone's music that you didn't ask permission, which my new theme song is from from Roo Boy George, so I asked permission f- to use that, so at least I can use their <laughs> music. Um, but I'm, I'm sure m- like 50% of the bands are fine with it and I think the person that that didn't want me to play their music, you know, that person was like, well, you just gave my song away for free. I'm like, I, I'm, I didn't want to get in a, a debate about it with her, but I, the person, mm-hmm. <laughs> him or her. Um, but I was like, okay, is someone really going to go cut up, a, you know, a three minute song out of like a two hour podcast? Like it's, it's like, I don't, I don't get the whole logic of that. And it's like, is it, is my one, you know, I'm promoting good music. I'm promoting your band. And then you're giving me shit. Cause I, you know was telling people about it because you want to make a few pennies on royalties. That's I know it's 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 stupid and it's like okay. Yeah, I, but
1: that, that's what, that that where lies my whole gripe with that whole thing though is yeah. because like cuz cause, cause you are are really doing, you know, uh, you know somebody a service for for that. You're you're allowing, you know, music of an artist or a band that wouldn't otherwise be heard and you know a lot of these bands though let's be honest a lot of these bands are like hardly known uh, you know most I'm, of the
0: bands I mean I do play I mean th- especially the 80s episode And I mean I do play a lot of mainstream stuff I actually thought I was gonna get in trouble by Jeff Goldblum but I'm like cause I, <laughs> but I, not by him I'm like that'd be great if he actually wrote Probably, me But like his management team yeah remember. like Capitol Records or whatever the, uh, the whatever uh, label is his like one of the mainstream labels were gonna you know tell me to take the episode down but I don't know. It's it's it is what it is. And I, I didn't feel like my initial my initial thing for the podcast. I wanted to have it be where I was interviewing people or just doing what we're doing right now and just shooting the shit. And uh, but then I'm like, oh, I'll play music in between. But then I realized yeah, I'm like, well, I was thinking about that. I'm like, I can't I can't really get to shows too often. And I'm like, well, maybe I'll start doing interviews over the phone or, or Skype like other podcasts too where I can do more frequently than like once a month.
1: I, ca- I kind of like this format of, of just being on location and, uh, you know, shooting the shit and just,
0: yeah, I just you know, need to get off my shooting. ass to do it.
1: <laughs> you know, like, uh, you know, as we speak right now, we're, we're right on the Bowery, you know, Lower East side, uh, right before, uh, you're
0: trying to find a parking show. spot for a good half hour. <laughs> no, maybe it was like 20 minutes. No, but. yeah.
1: Yeah. No, the funny thing is though, is that we found parking right away though, but we were contemplating better spots you know, because uh well, you know, all was, these it signs was, are like
0: Well it says seven PM, six PM you can't it's good at, after that, but it's it was five o'clock and it's too early. But hey we found one right in front of the club, so can't beat that. Yeah, yeah. And I'll sure. be I'll be taking a
1: it's gonna be a fun show, I'm sure. I'm I'm definitely excited to it's, to such, see a, Plug it's and, such a small
0: club though. It's like I don't know why <laughs> they picked this club. I mean I've seen two or three shows here and it's like not a ska show, but it's been just like singer songwriter stuff, and I'm like, even that, we're like, we're right up. I'm afraid, yeah. I'm afraid I'm gonna get hit with Vinny's trombone tonight because that definitely has happened before <laughs> when there was actual a stage, <laughs> and I actually have a, still have a ding on my uh, my one of my lenses from slow gherkin from when it came back here last time um, for the Apple Stomp 2.0, and I was I was in the crowd and I was so close, and all of a sudden the trombone he like. He he lowered his trombone and. Dunk, oh, I vaguely, I vaguely remember this story. Yeah, so I still have like a ding in my yeah. in the rubber part that just won't go Sounds away. Sounds like you're
1: still upset over it.
0: <laughs> I mean, I'm glad. It, I'm glad he, he, he said it's like, oh, I'm sorry, like immediately afterwards. But it, it, thankfully, it, it didn't get ruined or anything. Yes. It, didn't, it didn't hit the glass, hit the rubber part. But yeah, so I have to be very cl- cl- uh, minded minded or- tonight. Yeah, of where I stand, which might have to be on the edge, but. Vinny yeah Vinny does like to get close to uh <laughs> my camera and stuff from time to time that's you know, that yeah, know at the I'll rock t- I'll show tell man
1: like you know and we've been friends for a long time though and I've always appreciated your work as far as like photography goes man thanks like you know um yeah I mean you really do capture the show you know like you know through your pictures and stuff like that though and and you know I mean anyone can can take a camera and just go into you know a, a show and take pictures and stuff like that though but um you know, checked out this guy's work. Uh, you know, uh ska punk photo stuff. punk photos. See I, I see see how go, how such a good friend I am. I'm, I'm yeah, allowing you to plug, have that plug.
0: You're plug, plugging my own stuff on my own podcast.
1: yeah that's what friends <laughs> do, man.
0: <laughs> yeah, I actually got an email from, um, around um on Instagram, someone um that's coming with starting the scagnetti. He's like, Oh, I started I I'm, I'm gonna be at the show tonight. Um but I've, I got into concert photography because of you. I'm like, wow, that's awesome. It's like, I don't hear that too often that I'm like, I'm like, Oh, Brian Kremko, the inf- influential person. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm like, you know, I just, I just tried to document all the shows that I see. And it just, it mainly, the main reason why I started it was to get into shows for free. And then, <laughs> and actually like, Oh, I like doing photography. I'm You know, so that's that's why I kind of started. It's the same thing as yeah, running the website. It's like I want to promote bands, but at the same time I want to get into free. I don't want to pay for whatever
1: happened to um. You know, before the concert. Well,
0: before the concert. Well, I had a kid, so it's yeah. It's um usually when bands want to. When they want to record is like three o'clock in the afternoon after sound check, and I just can't get down to do it, and it's also difficult finding a spot to do it because I don't want to do it in some stale studio that other people do it now ever and also this is so many different sites that do it like when he's got um what's a Steve Madden or whatever like the shoe company yes, they, they have Steve fucking Madden. sessions and it's like when they have that like this people like oh this band's playing at this shoe store it's like okay it's too much but it was like it was difficult trying to find spots and one club that I will not name, um, that have been, I've had a, I haven't, I've, I haven't gone back since I got kicked out of their thing because I was in the middle of recording, um, Emerson Hart from tonic. Um, and he, the, the owner of the comp- thing came oh, in. I vaguely remember this yeah, story, I, the story. Yeah. And you waved the paper. I can't recall
1: what club it is though.
0: I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> um, it's one that it's like a uh, singer songwriters always go to. Um, but I hope it closes down <laughs> <I> <laughs> so fuck, it's still fuck, around fuck that club yes um but they put a he put a piece of paper and he's like you didn't ask permission to do this and and, and I'm like <laughs> I'm like, like okay I'm like I'm like I've been shooting stuff here for a while now I'm like this in a dresser room and he's like and I'm like You're, and he's like and then it, and then the next day I'm like I check my phone and I get a cease and desist letter from from their lawyer. I'm like, fuck these guys. Uh, so I had to like so I had to take down all these all the videos um, that were our, inside that club. Now
1: that that was the club though, that wasn't the band. That,
0: that was, was the club, like yeah. The the band like Chris Trapper at the Push Stars. That was one of the videos, and I told him and he's like, "That sucks." I'm like, "Yeah, I'm like, yeah. Can you please not go to this club anymore? Because I'd like to see you." <laughs> so now it's like I have like a personal band of that I won't go to see. Thankfully, not too many bands that I've liked have gone there because. Um, Maybe because I just keep it spreading kind of bad venom along, to, towards their way.
1: <laughs> you know, it kind of comes along with the territory. Not everyone's going to share your same, you know, views on such things, and but it there was, are going to be a holes out there. But
0: what what pisses me off is I'm okay to shoot in a Live Nation video uh, venue, but I can't. Sh- so it's not a Live Nation video. So you got to make up your mind of what what venue it is. But <laughs> but. Um, but I was able to shoot in a live nation, in like an Irving Plaza. I, the only time at Irving Plaza when I was shooting with Jason from Authority Zero and the and the, the, the one uh, bouncer that's been there for like since I've been going to shows, I forget his name, but he, we always talk New York Rangers, but he's like, oh, don't shoot towards the door because like, you know, we can get in trouble or something like that. So I'm like, okay, we'll just rotate. And he's like, yeah, just rotate. So that was the only time I got grief from, from Irving Plaza. Other than that, I've been... F- it was fine shooting all over the place. I would shoot in Central Park. Oh, did I shoot? No, Washington Square Park. And a few other places around on the I'm streets. Sure, at, yeah. In the, I, in and the I squares. Enjoy, I
1: think I remember, um, like, helping you as well with... Um,
0: Larry flask. Uh, yes, yes. That was, a, that was only the second one. And that was around here. I was uh, at Astor Place and they were all busking they, they that just, was a cool show that, yeah that
1: was definitely um, one of the bands that you introduced me to that I, yeah that i enjoyed. They just come, they
0: just came here a couple weeks ago and played in brooklyn but i didn't get to go see them they just had a new album come out um, called the remedy i think but uh, yeah that was that, that they were definitely one of my favorite live bands and those guys they and then when they came back a, co- a couple of weeks ago um, they were just busking Doing a whole live yes. set and um, on exa- Facebook, yeah. yeah, that's
1: exactly what we did. We followed them and we we uh, recorded uh, their their busking set uh, yeah. in front of uh, Aster Place. Yeah, that in little front cube, of that cube, cube thing. Yeah, thing and random people were co- were coming up and like getting into the shot and yeah, <laughs> spinning the cube thing while while they were playing. Yeah,
0: I wish I mic'd it a little bit better, but I was still starting out with trying to figure out things. Um, I don't think I had as much recorders as possible, but. From the ashes of that has come the podcast, which is a little more easier. Like right now, we're recording in rec- in a car, and you know, so it's a little bit better of trying to find locations to do. And plus, it's easier for me to like, you know, just talk with somebody instead of trying to film something and sure. make. Sh- and then I, I was just I was getting worried about cops stopping me for like permits and all this stuff because it's like. It's like you got to wipe. Oh, come on, this you, is New you, York. It's New York. You need a permit to wipe your ass. It's like there's <laughs> so much, like there's so much restrictions now.
1: Now, yes, and, and I, you know, and that you watch was something like The Deuce, The, the, the
0: Deuce on HBO, and then it's like, yeah, they can get a lot away with a lot of shit back then. <laughs> back in the 70s. have you watched that show by the
1: way? Uh, I I started watching it. I didn't follow through completely with the first oh. season. The second season's pretty good too. But, um, but what what I saw, I liked. You yeah. Know, you know, it's a solid series.
0: We should, talk, we should talk TV stuff before, yeah. Sure. Um, have you seen all the news about Star Wars, all the Star Wars shows that are like the streaming stuff? We got.
1: I heard a little bit about that. Yeah. Uh, honestly, I, I don't watch a lot of that stuff. Uh, I'm more of a fan of the film.
0: Well, this is, is going to be the stuff that's next year on Disney. I think it's called Disney Plus, the streaming service. So it's got uh, Pedro Pascal from um, Game of Thrones. He's going to be in The Mandalorian. He's gonna be like the, oh. the lead character, yeah. Um, and John Favreau has been directing that, and I think Pedro
1: Pascal. He's um,
0: and, and Narcos, yeah.
1: Yes, yes, that guy. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he's awesome. And Narcos is uh, well, I'm watching dis- that right now. Narcos uh, Mexico, which is awesome.
0: Do you need to Do you need to watch the other seasons to to watch this one?
1: I would. Um, okay. I mean,
0: because it's about uh, Pablo can, Escobar, right? Well, no, this season's more well, this about one. the
1: cartels in Mexico. Okay. And, um, you know, Narcos is kind of like a, a, a mix of uh, of of drama as well as um, it's kind of like a drama slash documentary format. But it's more it's more drama and acting uh, than than the documentary aspect of it. But okay. there is def- they definitely do use real footage oh. uh, with certain scenes and they integrate it into the storyline, uh, which is dramatized. But it's really fascinating. Uh, the first two seasons do center on the cartels okay. uh, in Colombia with uh, Escobar, and then it moves on to the Cali cartels, uh, you know, of of, um, of Colombia uh, for the third season. And now it's the Mexican cartels, okay. which they're covering, and and. Um
0: Diego Luna, uh, what's his name? D- De- D- Diego, Diego? L- L- Luna, 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 S- something or. Yeah. Old, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, he's going to have he's going to be having his own show from his Rogue One character is going to have his own show. Uh, yes, I heard Disney, that. Uh, yeah, on the Disney streaming. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, that should be good.
1: Oh, cool. Did you like um, uh, Solo, a Star Wars story?
0: I did. It didn't feel I didn't like it as. As, as much as you wanted to. as much as the other yeah. ones it was it that plus, seems to be the consensus it was dark it was hard to see <laughs> in the beginning it was, <laughs> it was just like very muddy but i i didn't like him as solo in the beginning but he kind of won me over at the end
1: yeah you know i'm i'm i, I would have much rather preferred ac- ac- actually um a name that was being thrown around and I, honestly i don't even remember the guy his from name, baby
0: driver would i thought would have been a good choice
1: well there was a, there was an actor who um he he's like a dead ringer for George, Her- um, George Harrison, Harrison Ford. <laughs> George, George Harrison <laughs> for Harrison Ford, and and, and he he's fast enough for
0: you, old man.
1: <laughs> he actually played a young Harrison Ford um, in a movie called um, I think I Adelaide or or something or other, and and um, you know um, and he if you watch this movie and you see the scenes of, of of this actor, you know he might as well be like you know Harrison Ford's. You know, uh, forgotten child, <laughs> love child with Carrie Fisher or something. Hey, maybe. You know, but, God, um, I read
0: that book. That was kind of awkward to read.
1: The story is, is though, that he did audition uh, for that role, but he didn't get the role. And uh, and um, okay. hi, you know, and he's actually been auditioning to to be a young Indiana Jones or a young Han Solo for years. So his YouTube videos of these, uh, uh, you know, of these uh, audition, yeah, t- you know, videos uh, have have been around for quite some time so you can still put, like pull him up on youtube or whatever all but right. he would have been great man and and when i found out that this guy that they got for for solo in the movie you know when when i found out yeah, that he was picked i was like eh, okay yeah, you know um, but he, he, he did didn't all right. seem like yeah he didn't he didn't seem like the right fit to me
0: donald Glover as as lando was excellent though i thought
1: yes i agree and, and yeah, he was awesome childish gambino
0: and uh yeah, or, or that name, <laughs> or his real name.
1: <laughs> you know, and I, and you know, for, as a Star Wars fan, though, I mean, yeah, I mean, I appreciated it, I liked it uh, well enough, but um, I probably would have written it differently. And
0: yeah, well, I mean, what all the problems that have been going on with them, just firing people, and, and I think Ron Howard kind of saved it. I think, but it's saved it, but but yet. It could have been so much more. The movie was considered a
1: bomb, yeah. Unfortunately, um, but I believe the final product, though, most likely, w-, w you know is is much more of a success than I'm kind of the original product would have been.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of happy that they kind of after that they kind of like all right, we're not gonna do too many more spinoff movies for right now. We got to rethink it because I, I, that's why I mean a lot of people were worried about is there's gonna be so much star wars shit like every year it's like no it's like you gotta build it up of the anticipation of it and uh yes you do huh? and i mean hopefully with the this, this star wars shows that they have on the disney streaming thing next year i but hope hopefully it's like it spaces be, spaced
1: out hopefully it won't be overkill because yeah. it could just as easily go that way where people would like, just become so sick of star wars like
0: lobot the series it's <laughs>
1: And, and and people were kind of sick of Star Wars after a while like, you know during the, the late 80s well
0: in the prequel too the you prequel know? era. It's like oh come on I'm gonna do Force awakens and well I mean people were pissed off at the latest one too which i I didn't I would have done things differently but I still I, I still liked it
1: oh yeah I mean I still enjoyed it but um is it is it how I envisioned Star Wars to be like and what not and what really. and what
0: happened with Luke yeah it's like yeah I would have done something differently with Luke. I mean, with Carrie Fisher, I don't know what the hell they're going to do for the next one, though.
1: Yeah, and so and supposedly they'll—they're
0: um, not going to kill her off.
1: Supposedly they're just going to be reusing footage that they—that yeah. they filmed, like and then not kill her not in a CGI? spaceship or anything.
0: I, I mean, I think what they should have done is they should have just when she got sucked out of that spaceship, out of, instead of doing the Mary Poppins thing in space, they should have just killed her then. But yes, then yeah. and then I don't know, but. I don't
1: know, and I would have preferred Luke to have still survived. I would have. Preferred yeah, that. but I mean, yeah, I guess he'll be a or ghost. More Luke is good.
0: He'll be a ghost in the next but, one.
1: You know what we have though for the next one? We have um, Daisy Ridley. What's his name? Um, Adam Driver. Oh, Billy D. Williams. Oh, uh, Billy D. Williams. Uh, Billy D. Williams though is going to be. Yeah, so you bring Lando. him back to kill him off. That's what. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah that, that's what they say.
0: <laughs> and he could be drinking like a Colt forty-five and. like do you not remember those of course I do. <laughs> okay okay just, i don't know i thought it should have uh-huh. got a bigger laugh than a courtesy laugh <laughs> um i'm trying to think of what other things we can talk about before we got to go we got even for like five more minutes um well stan lee Walking. just passed away so i mean that's and i just see like bill maher making an asshole comment today about making fun of like
1: i didn't hear that
0: so. all, all all i guess he was making fun of comic book fans and saying like oh that it's not s- sophisticated literature and everyone's mourning Stan Lee and big fucking deal kind of thing and it's, it's like I like Bill Maher a lot of times but sometimes you just he needs to shut the fuck up <laughs>
1: Well, you know, he just speaks what's on his mind. Yeah. You know, sometimes it could be refreshing and other times it's uh, not at the right moment.
0: And it's like, and it's the same thing like Army Hammer was making fun of everyone like posting selfies with Stan Lee. And it's like, that's how people are mourning of celebrating this guy's life because he touched so many people with his movies. uh, Well, uh, Well, I I guarantee
1: you, this is not going to be the last we were going to see of Stan Lee. He still has. Probably quite a few
0: more cameos. <laughs> he has a cameo <laughs> in filmed. the in the latest Avengers, and that was the last one I think, because they kind of grouped it together. Well, how but, about
1: Captain Marvel, though? Captain I don't Marvel, know about ca-
0: Captain Marvel, but I know that I know for X Men, Dark Phoenix, he didn't do it, which I didn't even see the Apocalypse, so I don't even know <laughs> if he was in that one either.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, Stanley obviously legend, um, you know, responsible for countless Marvel characters. Yeah. And, Marvel, uh, Marvel Comics Marvel comics. But he's co-creator, though.
0: So, I mean, he he did what with Jack Kirby? Well,
1: well for Spider-Man, he was co-creator with Steve Ditko, which okay. for a long time, um, Stan Lee didn't really want to share that credit. And eventually, he did. Uh, and so, there's like this really sordid, you know, past, uh, rocky past and relationship that he has with Steve Ditko, who ultimately became a recluse and uh didn't want to be paid uh for he just wanted credit uh to be known as the guy who co-created spider-man but Uh. stanley always refused to to give him due credit um, not until like recently yeah or until the the last uh, 10 years or so
0: what do you think his best cameo was for all the movies that it was in
1: Wow, there's a lot to think about there. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: but I, I, I think the funniest one was the Deadpool when he was the the stripper DJ. Oh my God, that yeah. one, that that one had me laughing the most, I think.
1: Sure, sure. And yeah. then
0: the one recently was funny too. I forget what. I mean, a lot of them Avengers, are like. But
1: honestly, a lot of them are really not that memorable. But they're only, they're only. It's just, it, it, it's just customary to have Stan Lee appear in a movie. Yeah, just it's gonna like, feel different. Oh that yes, he's, not he's there. in it. Yeah, it will just feel weird if he wasn't in it, but. The cameos themselves though a lot of times it's just
0: like him on the street. Yeah. You know. Well that's why I was like yeah I th- I think the shipper one was the funniest one because it's just all of a sudden I he's like, there.
1: I like um oh, I like the one he did he did do a cameo in Captain America that I like where he made a a, a funny wise crack. You know um where a Captain America or, or or Steve Rogers rather is, is being awarded and he and he said something like I thought he was taller or something like that. Oh okay. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, how about this? So, how about um, I know you're a big fan of Walking Dead, and so uh, how do you like um, the? uh,
0: I was, yeah. I mean, I've kind of, I've kind of since Negan has showed up, I've been kind of like, yeah. It's like I like Jeffrey Dean Morgan, and I like, I like what he does, but I I feel like the last two seasons were so overkill. Of him and what he did with like the whole scene with the the baseball bat scene, and it's just like it kind of like, and then it was just like annoying that that whole season where they would show up and it's like all oh, these fucking guys again, uh, and then like just dis- causing disruption. And it's, it, I kind of, I, I, I kind of like this new season, out. but I've, I'm just kind of watching to watch it now, and it's like, so it, you r- didn't see, no, I know, yeah, I've been watching it, so I know Rick's gone, and so I know that. And, Picks I up. think
1: I think this season is great. I think this season is a, is refreshing because now they have a new showrunner. Yeah. And um, and so but the other it's a lot more lying. fast-paced and it's not as dragged out as previous seasons have been.
0: Yeah, and they can give they can give more more spotlight to Daryl and Carol and other characters that because it's like and I'm kind of gl- I'm kind of happy with what they what they did with Rick because it's like I like Andrew Lincoln and I like his character so at least you're aware though that, that yeah he's gonna be back yeah so that's why I'm happy with what they did with that um because I'll t- I'll take you know movies over being killed which I thought he was gonna do so it felt like kind of a chip sure um,
1: I'm especially excited because uh, you know um basically with uh, the Walking Dead series as it is now. Um, you know, they made, they made major changes that don't line up with what's been happening in the the comic books, which, which I do follow as well. And, and, um, you know, most noticeably, uh, notably obviously is the fact that, um, they killed off Carl, who's still a major part of what's happening in the comics now, as well as Rick. Of course he's killed off now.
0: What's that? Like Amy or whatever her name is. The blonde hair chick. What the hell is her name? That was killed off with uh, the governor and that. Oh, show. Uh, Andrea. Andrea, that's yes, right. Yes. Yeah, because she's alive in the comics. yeah she books. is. She is, and she, she was a love interest instead of Michonne. Right, right, right. From the TV show.
1: Yeah. Now what they, they they're doing though is that, um, so they did, they had that other they had this new time jump now. Yeah, the time jump with which, which doesn't happen in the comics. They yeah. they have a they have a two year time jump, but now they have a six year time jump, which doesn't happen in the comics. Yeah. It's like and what happened in that six years. <laughs> yeah, well, well, I guess we'll find out in the yeah, movies. Yeah, maybe,
0: maybe that's what will be in the movies. But now. um,
1: but yeah, like uh so it's obvious now though that to fill in those gaps that uh, of of what would have happened with the ro- with the characters of Carl and Rick. Uh, I mean, especially in the in the case of Carl, they're they're using the. The character of Henry, who's, um, you know, one of the um, the children that lives in the kingdom. Yes. You know, and and he's going to stand in for a lot of the stuff that Carl would go through in this storyline. Carl. And then you have Judith, of course, which is now grown up and she's like six years old or whatever. And... and, um, you know, um, in the comics, like Carl forms like an unlikely relationship with with Negan and starts Negan, visiting right. him and talking so to him. So I guess
0: him. Judith's gonna be doing that stuff, yeah. Now, yeah, based yeah. on that one last episode. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I also, I I also like the approach of what they did with Fear of the Walking Dead this year because, like, I mean, I liked last season with the Native Americans and stuff. I'm like, I I actually would have a show just of those guys because it's great that finally has some Native Americans being like lead mm-hmm. characters on a on a show. Um, which that one of the guys ended up being Sitting Bull in one of. The movies. I kind of like
1: what they're doing to with uh, Fear of the Walking Dead too. Although they got rid of the best character in my opinion, which was um, the, um, Kim. the drug addict. Uh, oh right, character. he didn't want to be on
0: the show anymore. So it's yeah. So who
1: they, who he, he he you know he, he's the son yeah. of um, what's his face yeah. Stannis Baratheon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, what's him um You know, I I kind of like that. It's now somewhat of a western. Uh, yeah. like, a, like a post-apocalyptic Western. And, and I like
0: Morgan. And I, it's like they killed off Morgan years ago in a comic book. But yes. I, I've liked, because What's His Face is so good that it's like, yeah, I could see him, have him lead the show.
1: But it's kind of strange, though, because like Morgan is like, he, he flip-flops a lot. Like yeah. he'll, he'll go crazy and and then he'll be a pacifist. And then he'll go crazy again and kill a bunch of people. And then he'll be a pacifist again. Yeah.
0: That's <laughs> Make up your mind. <laughs>
1: You know, and then and you know, they they built up this whole thing where like he he ended up leaving Alexandria and walking towards Texas and then by by the mid season he wanted to go back to yeah. to Alexandria and, <laughs> and walk like back. He came
0: all his way. I'm like, all right, I'm done. It's like almost like Forrest Gump when he runs and he's like, Okay, I'm done now. <laughs> <laughs> um Yeah, so I I've been liking what Fear of the Walking Dead has been doing. I thought it was like definitely a Refreshing take on it. Um, some people hate it, but I, I I don't know why I like it. Um, but yeah, I mean we'll we'll see what happens with the Walking Dead. The Walking Dead. I guess we got two more episodes until the the break.
1: Well, they they're definitely building up to to something. The whispers, right? The whispers, which is you know um, you know if you're a horror fan, you would probably appreciate the storyline that's coming up, which is a wicked, very wicked and an awesome storyline. And, and Negan has a huge part in it in the comic books. And I really hope that. The series uh, is, follows. through Is Negan very well good it.
0: now? Is that what it is?
1: Kind of. You know, Negan's a very interesting character in the comics, in that um, you know, obviously he gets incarcerated by Rick, yeah. but he ends up becoming, uh, you know, ki- kind of like a, a leader. Kind of like a person who, oh. who who now understands and accepts where Rick is coming from, and he understands like Rick's ideals. Okay. So in the in the comic book, like he's trying to appease rick and tr- and trying to actually be his friend and and pr- try to prove to him that he's on his side and he can be a a a, a helpful member of the community. Okay. But of course rick and everybody else doesn't you know they they don't trust him at all. You know and and um and so like negan goes rogue and and he he's still arrogant and he's still uh, yeah. obnoxious and he's still a killer. Um but um you know he he he, he kind of does like redeem himself in a way, you know. So I I, I do okay. want to see that.
0: Um, hopefully that happens. Yeah, because I like Je- Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Um, He's a great actor, yeah. and I think
1: he can pull it off. And uh, you know, if you're if you're tired of old Negan, um, you know, if he if he pulls this off uh, and and follows the way the character development of Negan is in the comics, you know, it's going to be good writing. All right. So you know, hopefully hopefully we have that to look forward to.
0: All right. I think we should go get some pizza and then we're going to go.
1: Sounds good. Let's go see a ska show. All
0: right. So we're going to go have a ska show and then maybe next week I'm I'm scheduled to talk with Aaron from Real Big Fish, which should be pretty cool. Um, We'll see if that happens or not. Um, But so far it's scheduled. (laughs) You never know with these things. That's what's like before the concert stuff. It's like you never know. It's like you schedule it and then it's like, all right, I'm going to do it. And then. You get there and you're like, no, I haven't eaten food yet. I'm not doing anything, which has happened to before, but I will not name that band. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, maybe for another podcast, but um, yeah, so it's been fun talking with you. And always,
1: a, always a pleasure and uh, thanks for having me. I mean, I'm sure we can. This f- could have gone yeah, for, for like so, another hour. <laughs> I know I had
0: so many other things to talk about, like geeky movie related stuff, but yeah, it's another podcast, I guess. Um, all right. Uh, Signing it went off. off well. Yeah, it went, r- it went well. All right. Signing off. Later.